This is Atul Gawande with the 10-Minute Writer's Workshop. And I'm producer Sarah Plord. Virginia is out this week. Atul Gawande is a surgeon, professor at Harvard Medical School, and writes about medicine and ethics for The New Yorker. He's author of several best-selling books, most recently, Being Mortal, Medicine and What Matters in the End. The book questions the human cost of miraculous medicine and urges a shift from the prevailing thought that human decline and death are signs of failures to instead think about how to make old age and the experience of dying better. Despite the grave topic, Gawande views it as a book about living. We spoke to him in the green room at the Music Hall in Portsmouth before a Writers on a New England Stage live event, where he confessed to us he was a, quote, terrible writer in college. So we began by asking him how he got to be the writer he is today. What, what I know for sure is I was not born to be a writer. And the way I know I wasn't born to be a writer was my worst grades were in writing at, at college. And the only writing class I took was because there was a girl in it I was interested in. I didn't get a great grade in that class, but I did marry the girl, <laughs> my wife, Kathleen. I went off, I worked in uh, politics, came into medicine that was the pathway I was on, but I really wanted to have some outlet for being able to connect back into public affairs and really just on the policy stuff. And a friend of mine started an internet magazine in 1996. This is Netscape Navigator days. Uh, and nobody was reading things on the internet, so no one would write for him. And so he'd ask his friends, would you write stuff for me? And so I agreed to. I'd never really done it before. And he was an amazing editor, and he would teach me. It was like doing surgery as a resident. You do 30 gallbladders in a row. So I did 30 columns in a row. I mean, now you'd call it a blog, but you'd get editing. So they'd tell you, give me more, more visuals. Your arguments are soft. And I got to start writing that way. And it turned out to be Slate magazine. So Slate, I went from 300 hits an article, and over the course of two years became 300,000 hits per article. And then I was off to the races. But you have a particular voice. You tell a lot of stories about people, sometimes your patients, sometimes not. The topics that you cover, ethics, economics, you know, healthcare, those are things that are generally pretty dry. How did you find your way to the stories? Well, it's, um, it's more like the stories are there all the time. To, to me, uh, being in healthcare is just, it's just an avenue into the human experience. Um, and in a particularly trying, dramatic, difficult, complex moment in people's lives. So um, there, there's so many aspects of the stories that you run into in healthcare. Of course, there's, you know, life and death and what happens, of course, along that way. But then there's also money and the complexity of, like, trying to get groups of people working together and bureaucracy and computers. And then there's science and humanity trying to, you know, the messiness of people and that's a big story so I just feel like you know even something like why do we itch <laughs> it's all in there um, and uh, and so I, I, I have too many stories to tell that that's the problem they're all there well like Oliver Sacks you write about people that you've worked with and he struggled I think with trying to maintain their anonymity and privacy while telling their stories accurately has that been a challenge for you um in a funny way, no, uh, because I basically ask permission, can I write about you? The, um, and, you know, some people say no. Some people say, 
actually, I, I kind of bend over backwards to be a little careful because sometimes I don't realize what will hit them. A lot of people say, oh, no problem, you know, use my name, whatever. But then they're, you know, telling me all about their, you know, how they hate their uh, their brother. And, you know, like they don't realize that it, this is going to land in a minimum in a New Yorker and there'll be five million people who will read it. So you probably want to think twice about it. So we, uh, I, I often uh, suggest to them, maybe we don't use your name, that kind of thing. So that I think is straightforward. A lot of times it's their family members and others. It can be challenging, like all the ripple effects um, that, that come out of it. I'm thinking of books like The Checklist Manifesto. Um, you know, a lot of caregivers read your books, uh, doctors, people who are in the healthcare profession. So you're writing for them and you're also writing for the general public. I wonder how you balance. Do you, do you have to walk a line with the language and the kind of descriptions that you're giving? I really don't. My view of it is I'm trying to write to everybody as citizens and that, you know, I want the doctors, the nurses, the social workers to take their clinical coats off and remember that they are themselves going to be on the operating table too. And I want to get past all of our jargon. Um, I use it when it's powerful and it's necessary. I'm also not interested in explaining anything to anybody. I'm not trying to teach anybody anything. I am most interested in writing about the things that confuse me or distress me or disturb me that I haven't figured out along the way. Like, why does healthcare cost so much? Or uh, wh why do we do such a bad job at dealing with the reality of mortality? You are reflective. You ask yourself about the image of the heroic doctor and, you know, that all of these, any, any admission that you may not be doing things perfectly is a check on the competency of doctors. This is something that not a lot of people do, and I'm wondering if you get blowback from your colleagues in the medical profession about this. I worried about it, but, you know, um, I mean, this is where people like Oliver Sacks are incredibly inspiring to me, or, or Chekhov, who was a doctor, or um, William Carlos Williams. I mean, they were not, they were writing about this experience between two human beings who come together, one to help one another, and the one who's help, the helper, the doctor, is not a god. <laughs> they don't know everything. Um, they are imperfect. And yet, on the whole, you are better off, often, not always, having one in your life. So how does that work? And William Carlos Williams, you know, is amazing because um, he did not treat the doctor as hero, nor as villain, just as a complex human being trying to do this thing. And I worried that um, by telling it like it is that my colleagues would... Uh, Re rejected, um, but instead, they they understood the way I was trying to tell the story, which was not to throw a bomb to say you know we all suck, but to say this is this kind of cool thing we're doing. It's hard and it's interesting, and there's lots of things we don't do right and could be doing better, and it's hopefully constructive. And they took it that way. Healthcare is such a fraught issue in our culture. The expense um, it's become a partisan issue in many ways. I wonder if as a New Yorker writer, you've been a guest columnist for the New York Times, for example, written a lot of op-eds. Do you feel like you have to walk some kind of line about your opinion? No. Um, I, I think there's a medical, a core medical value that speaks to me in a really important way, which is that all lives have equal worth. That we really are, ought to be treated, you deserve to be treated as an equal before the clinical world in much the same way that you ought to be treated as an equal 
um, before government and before society. And I think that value, I mean, it goes back millennia, and it speaks to people, and it certainly speaks to me. And when we decide that some people are not, their lives are not worth what someone else's life is worth, that's a problem. And, and, and maybe that's political. I just see it as moral. And this is a sort of central moral value, and then we have to live up to that. Now, there's liberal ways and there are conservative ways of living up to that value, but I also see it as deeply American as well as deeply medical. As a surgeon, as an educator, as a writer, do you have to get into different head spaces for those different activities? Is there process or ritual that you go through to, to shift? Um, no, because it's like I'm in a specific space in a specific moment in a specific uh, role when I'm doing certain things. So I don't think about writing when I'm in the operating room or in a clinic with my patients. But um, I can go to the geriatrician and I can do something as a writer that you can't do as a doctor, which is I can say to them, can I hang out with you today and just see what you do? If I did that as a colleague from upstairs, I'd be like, you're just weird. No. <laughs> um, but I come in and I say, well, I'm writing an article about this. So like, yeah, come on in and come hang out with me and let's go out to dinner and I'll really tell you what's going on. So I'll, I'll switch modes later. And then other times I'm being the scientist and I'm saying, let's collect some data and let me try and experiment and let's see if we can make this thing happen. Um, and it just depends on what at 10 o'clock tomorrow I'm trying to do. So you get to spy on other people in some kind of way. Yeah. You get perspective, you get to pull back. You're educating med students. Do you talk to them at all about writing or give them any advice short of finding a really great girl inside of your writing class? <laughs> um, my main advice is um, not that writing, I think it's important that people figure out where they are energized by what they do. And a lot of times in medicine, it's so intense and in the moment, you need something that takes you out of it. And that may be writing and telling stories, it may be your family, it may be a musical instrument, it may be research. There are things that are, dis that are complex and push on you and you need a way to step out of it. And writing can be one of those, but I don't, I don't think it is for everybody. It's not, I'm not a believer that everybody in medicine should write any more than I'm a believer that everybody in medicine should learn economics. Atul Gawande, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Atul Gawande, best-selling author, most recently of Being Mortal, Medicine and What Matters in the End. The 10-Minute Writer's Workshop is a production of NHPR, produced by me, Sarah Plord, and by Taylor Quimby. If we've helped you find a little creative inspiration, help us out a little too. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It goes a long way towards connecting us to other listeners. And thank you. Thank you.